Hello everybody, this is History in Faces, Mao Zedong Cycle, part number 2. In this episode we will cover the period between the Xinhai Revolution and the beginning of the Second Sino-Japanese War. So let's begin. By the 1910th, the main power in the country, the king, lost the support not only by peasants, by bourgeois as well. In Ravash, the government was trying to plead people, but it was too late. On October the 10th, the Shanghai Revolution broke out. Sun Yat-sen, which was an immigration before, hastily returned to the country after this news and soon took the office as the president of China. In those times, there were two main powers, the southern, which were represented by Sun Yat-sen, and the northern one, an adherence of an old foundations, which were represented by Yuan Shikai. Northern reactionaries started crushing the rebellion. As a result, a compromise was found. Sun Yat-sen resigned and proposed to transfer the presidency to Yuan Shikai in order to unite the country. During that period, the first elections were organized. Kuomintang, or KMT, won it. The founder of that political party was Sun Yat-sen, and the main course for them was to limit the president's power. After two and a half years, KMT revolted but their actions ended up very sadly. The party top was forced to leave the country and straight after that Yuan Shikai dissolved the parliament, so no one tried to resist him anymore and he made his move. In May 1914 he published a new constitution that granted him dictatorial rights and prepared the restoration of the monarchy and his accession to the imperial throne. Yeah, what an unexpected twist. This decision didn't add to his popularity anything among the people, moreover revolts embraced the country. The next blow and a very shameful one was received in May of 1915 when Yuan Shikai accepted 21 demands of the Japanese. This day went down in the history of China as the day of national shame. In June of 1916 he declared officially his refusal for the restoration of the monarchy and um, died after that. Basically, China was a melting pot back then in days. And one of the biggest problems which prevented China from fully integrating was warlords. And they had their own armies. It was a constant process of hogging their blankets, where some of them were making alliances, others were fighting and others were bribed by foreigners. After the signing of Treaty of Versailles, the former German colony, which existed since 1898, passed to Japan, which caused another wave of protests that swept through China. In the wake of this discontent and the coming Bolsheviks in Russia to power, ideas about oppressed and exploited classes found support among the intelligentsia of that time, especially students. Moreover, Soviet declared about the rejection of the previous Russian Empire's imperialistic politics in China. Soon, a lot of Marxist circles began to arise in mass through the country. Mao Zedong was among the first members of the Marxist party. On July 1, 1921, the first Congress of Chinese Marxist Revolutionaries opened in Shanghai, which declared about the creation of the Chinese Communist Party. Though there weren't so many members, firstly, they had a strong influence on people. Meanwhile, during constant clashes with militarists, Sun Yat-sen's troops suffered permanent defeats and needed reorganization. And as a result, contact was made with Soviet Russia, which helped China with weapons and specialists in exchange for Kuomintang entering into an alliance with the Chinese Communist Party. 
So CPC became an ally of KMT in 1922. But this union didn't last long. Straight after Sun Yat-sen's death, right-wing Kuomintang men came to power, wanting to stop any contacts with CPC and changing the main course of the party. Luo Jinkai, a popular leader of the Kuomintang, was killed, and Chiang Kai-shek had no openings of equal popularity. By the end of 1925, the number of party members of CPC reached 60,000 people. But the situation for communists was getting worse and worse from day to day. On March 20, 1926, Chiang Kai-shek began arresting the communists on charges of conspiracy of taking power. Later, in May 1926, the final stage of civil war with warlords started, as KMT began their preparation for a campaign against the northern militarists. Though powers wasn't equal at all, the outcome of war was on Kuomintang's side. And they had more strict discipline and generally they were organized better. At the offensive advancing land, Shanghai workers and communists tried to organize an uprising against militarists. Their reaction surprised them. Just when rebels took the city, Chiang Kai-shek made his move and began the mass defeats of workers' organizations, the arrest of communists. Later, this event was called Shanghai Massacre. Actually, this event put an end to the Kuomintang cooperation with the Soviet Union and the Chinese Communist Party. As a result, the cleaning and extermination of communists began nationwide. The first stage of the civil war was over. Now the country was under the banner of KMT. The power in the country was entirely concentrated in the hands of Chiang Kai-shek. The next stage of the war for the Kuomintang was to dust off of its former allies, the CPC. In such difficult conditions, the communists are embraced to resort to guerrilla warfare tactics. With the slogan put forward by Mao, the enemy is advancing, we are retreating. The enemy is stopping, we are disturbing. The enemy is retreating, we are persecuting. Moreover, he was the main person in the party proposing that CPC should rely mostly on peasants instead of the working class, whose stratum in the country was simply minimal and moreover all trade unions were destroyed by Kuomintang. Numbers of communists in cities were decreasing in large amounts. So basically, there were no one to rely on, except for peasants. While nationalists were actively squeezing communists for several years, raiding and destroying them, in the north of the country, militaristic Japan began its movement. Chiang Kai-shek, who didn't want to disperse, firstly wanted to completely eradicate all the communists and only then to break the resistance to the Japanese troops, which incidentally were prepared and equipped much better than the nationalist army. But his decision didn't cause support among the general population. On the contrary, at the same time the communists were gaining more and more popularity who called for a general rebuff to the Japanese. So the Kuomintang leader officially ordered not to resist the Japanese and stumble. At the same time, the puppet state of Manchu Ko was formed, the emperor of which was Pui. The CPC tried to call for the creation of a united front against Japan on the terms of ending the civil war and arming the people. Chiang Kai-shek ignored all statements and proposals of the communists preparing for new punitive campaigns. Chiang Kai-shek's apostasy policy caused confusion not only from the general population, but also from the side of the army. As a result, some parts passed under the banner of the communists, as they were guiding people to resist invaders. 
But despite all this, the number of punitive campaigns against the communists didn't decrease, but on the contrary only increased. German military advisors were invited. He armed his army with new American weapons. During the fifth campaign, the Red Army was surrounded by Kuomintang. The communists had only one choice, to break through. In October, the Great Northern Campaign of the Red Army began. During this campaign, the army led concert battles with Kuomintang, causing the huge losses. Although they didn't succeed, having lost about two-thirds of their combat-ready army, this campaign was of great propaganda importance, showed the stamina and the courage of the communist soldiers, ready to go to the victory's end. So that's it, I hope that you liked this episode, and leave comments, and leave likes, subscribe, and stay tuned, so see you later, bye!